Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. This week, we're talking about fermentation. We're talking about little things that eat things and then poop out alcohol. I actually don't really know because I'm the one who's going to be asking these questions, and I record these introductions before I actually do the interview. So I'm going to be learning more about fermentation. And we're going to be talking about alcohol, but we're also going to be talking about all kinds of other stuff too. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. And first, we're a proud member of the Channel Zero Network of Anarchist Podcasts. And here's a jingle from another show on the network. La la, la 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 la. The Final Straw is a weekly anarchist radio show. It's fucking awesome. And you're never going to hear me say fucking awesome on our show because we're FCC regulated. There's a, a black part of my heart that that just flutters when you when you talk like that. I... Uh, <laughs> talk, then more yelling. It's a weird sort of like nice thing in a way, but also can get kind of crushing at times. The final straw radio dot noblogs.org. Okay, we're back. And so if you could introduce yourself with your name, your pronouns, and then I guess like a little bit about how you got into fermentation. Yeah. <clears throat> so my name is uh, Sean. Pronouns are he, him. Well, I actually started with uh, with cider and mead uh, mm-hmm. because I, 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 I had a harder time finding commercially available uh, cider and mead that wasn't just kind of like a novelty product or mm-hmm. obscenely expensive, you know, imported from like Basque country or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that was kind of uh, where I where I got my my kickoff on um, on on fermentation. Uh, I worked in uh, commercial fermentation, doing uh, sour beer production as well as like conventional, like clean, you know, canned beer, uh, and then actually worked in uh, sales and distribution uh, with beer for a, a while. Okay, so. This is really exciting because I've always kind of wanted to get into this Why I've kind of wanted to get into everything, which is the whole reason I started this podcast, so I could ask people about how to do things. But fermentation. So you can ferment mm-hmm. things, and it makes them different. What is fermentation? <laughs> so fermentation basically is uh, either yeast or bacteria mm-hmm. uh, breaking down almost always some form of sugar or carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main thing that is being produced by that is CO2. Okay. Uh, but a nice little side effect that is often produced is alcohol, right? Uh, or uh, lactic acid is often produced, especially in the presence of bacteria, specifically in the presence of lactic acid-producing bacteria. We call them, you know, LAB is the abbreviation that's that's used. So, yeah, you, you have fermentation is, is, is happening generally... Uh, when, when people are referring to it, they're referring to uh, yeast fermentation. Yeah. So the uh, the most common uh, yeast, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, right? Beer yeast. Uh, it's the same. It's called beer yeast, but that's the same yeast that's used to ferment wine. It's used to ferment like a sour mash if you're, you know, making whiskey mm-hmm. in a legal distillation situation uh, as opposed to, you know, the distillation <laughs> uh, situation. Uh, it is illegal to to uh, distill alcohol for home use in in the U.S. So yeah, you, know, you have to be very careful. You don't do that uh, on accident. <laughs> yeah, anything. we we won't cover that for a while. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay, wait. Is this um, the same yeast as like sourdough and all of that? Uh, 
it's very, very uh, close. So sourdough is, especially if you make like a, if you do like a sourdough starter capture, mm-hmm. right from the air. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I have not done this. Uh, it's something I've wanted to do. I've captured wild yeast for brewing from the air, but never for baking. Okay. But they are a similar uh, blend of airborne yeast. So you'll have wild yeast, you'll have wild Saccharomyces cerevisiae, uh, as well as wild other yeasts. Uh, Britannomyces yeast strains are very common in mm-hmm. the air. And then you'll also have um, lactic acid bacteria in the air. So these are those rod-shaped uh, bacteria that are active in the absence of oxygen. They're anaerobic bacteria. So... Um, they will continue to to acidify things uh, even when there is no oxygen present to like kind of fuel or catalyze uh, that reaction right. in a way that uh, regular beer yeast uh, or even bread yeast, baking yeast, right, won't necessarily okay won't necessarily be able to do. I'm really not used to the idea of thinking about bacteria as a positive thing. Um. Right? No, it's uh it, they they uh. So they are extremely a positive thing, lactic acid bacteria, mm-hmm. because uh, they drop the pH as well. Yeah. Right. And the lower pH means uh, you don't have to worry about like botulism, for example. All uh, right. They, All right. You know, so that, that that's definitely a benefit. Uh, yeah. Most spoilage. So one number I'm going to be saying probably a few times mm-hmm. is 4.2. Uh, 4.2 is like the pH level below which... Uh, you have a, a greater degree of protection uh, because of the acidity, right? Okay, because so, botulism doesn't like hanging out in there. Uh, botulism is, I, I'm not 100% sure if it's the uh, pH, the alcohol, or both. Okay. Um, but botulism does not like low pH, nor does it like high ABV. Okay. So these are these are both good ways of protecting yourself from that. So is that kind of, so fermentation probably comes... To, originally basically well probably by accident but originally probably comes from people just basically like desperately trying to figure out how to make sure food doesn't go bad and this is and fermentation is like one of the many ways that humans have developed to keep food from going bad is that a my theory is that's why fermentation stuck around i think Mm -hmm. it showed up eventually because human ancient you know human beings proto-humans even you know uh proto-hominids realized they could get fucked up with it yeah i think that's the i think that's the uh uh, key point, like human nature hasn't changed that much. Yeah, okay. And uh, that, that will always be the driving uh, influence on novelty, I think. Yeah. So what are some of the things, I'm going to ask you about some of the specifics about how to do this in a little bit, but what are some of the yeah. things that you can ferment? I know you can make sauerkraut and you can make pickle. Nope, that's not fermentation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pickle, lacto-fermented pickles, absolutely. Oh, that's really? Fermentation. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I yeah, totally yeah. knew not, that. Not like, quick pickling, not like uh-huh. quick pickling with, with, vinegar, with vinegar in the, the fridge. Mm-hmm. That's that's not like an active fermentation process. And I do that too, like quick pickled uh, mm-hmm. red onions or like, yeah, those, those go well on everything. Yeah. Like it doesn't, <laughs> but uh, no, like, like actual, like long-term uh, pickling. Okay. Uh, hot sauces are, mm-hmm. are a big one. Uh, you know, I, I did a, a batch of, I, I grew a bunch of jalapeno peppers and then I went to like a, like a restaurant supply type grocery store and mm-hmm. they had like three or four pound bags of jalapenos for like, you know, they were starting to, starting to go off. Right. So mm-hmm. they had them for like under a dollar. So I fermented about 40 pounds of jalapenos in, wow. a, in a five gallon yeah. uh, bucket. Right. And you just make a make a salt brine, mm-hmm. right? Like you can you can look up the uh, 
the levels. I think I did a a 3.5 or a 4% mm-hmm. uh, saline brine in well, there. And I'll ask you the had... more specifics about how to do it in a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so peppers you can do. Um, you can do any kind of anything that has any uh, like naturally occurring sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually can be fermented and it's the, and when, when you have high levels of naturally occurring sugar, like the classic example is grapes. Yeah. You usually are, are, you know, suspending that sugar in solution water, Mm -hmm. right. And you're making a beverage. Like that's the most classic example. So that's, you know, wine, that's beer, that's, you know, fruit wines, you know, uh, there's a lot of rural, um, cultures throughout the world there's there's you know non-grape wines right mm-hmm. it's very common mead is is another one right and probably the oldest uh you know we talked about the uh you know anthropological uh, yeah. aspects of fermentation earlier and and uh, yeah it's that's almost certainly we've you know a lot of evidence suggests mead okay so so when you ferment stuff how long, what kind of shelf life are you able to get on something like hot sauce or sauerkraut or, or pickles and things like that? The like food stuff. Yeah. So you're, you, you, you definitely, there are two dates at play here, which Mm -hmm. is the, this is going to, you know, this, this still tastes really good. And this is still a safe source of macronutrients. Right. uh, And, you know, and, and things like that. I've had, no uh decline in flavor with uh fermented hot sauce and i i usually package the fermented hot sauce in beer bottles with like a beer cap Mm -hmm. over the top or in a like sometimes mason jars as well but in that in that packaging i've not really seen any kind of degradation over like a two-year time period as Mm -hmm. far as flavor is concerned it's probably food safe not not indefinitely, but probably at least ten years. Okay, but um, it is going to depend on your process. It's going to depend on how much oxygen is introduced at packaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to depend on the amount of salt that you have. Um, you know, cause salt is usually part of uh, you know fermented food preservation. Okay, and salt is a preservative. So you know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of little factors that are going to affect uh, that aspect of it. Okay, but if you if you do it right, you can probably make bottles of stuff and leave them in your basement for like ten years if you need to. Yeah, absolutely, and like that yeah. applies to um, especially uh, lactic acid bacteria fermented alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know whether that's like a French or Basque style cider or uh, like a sour beer. Okay. Uh, those things we're we're talking, you know, probably a twenty year lifespan. Oh, interesting. Okay, as compared to if you're so that's the bacterially fermented. So the food is bacterially fermented as well. Right, yeah. right. But I mean, uh, as but, compared to regular beer, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, how long and does regular, regular beer, beer very, last? Very high alcohol beer can last just as long because mm-hmm. again, alcohol is a preservative, just like salt or okay, you know the the effects that some of these bacteria uh, create. Um, bacteria and then wildly yeast like Britannomyces is, is oxygen scavenging, right? So mm-hmm. when you, when it re-ferments, if, if you re, it's called bottle conditioning, right? It's where you add a small amount of fermentable sugar to a bottle and then cap it. Mm-hmm. And then it re-ferments in the bottle. You get a tiny layer of yeast at the bottom and it carbonates in the bottle. Mm-hmm. It's, 
not done as often professionally because it's produces pretty inconsistent results, Mm -hmm. but, um, it is going to increase the lifespan of your, of your beverage, like exponentially because as part of that, like reproductive cycle, oxygen is scavenged and where there's less oxygen, there's less spoilage. So it's like putting the little oxygen absorber in with your like mylar bagged food. Except it actually works. Yeah. Ah, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's, it's, it's far more effective because it literally is pulling every, almost every last, uh, you know, unit of oxygen out of there and using it to fuel, you know, its own uh, cellular reproduction. Okay. So it's it's not just being like absorbed and held Into as much as you know, can be absorbed and held inert. It's yeah. it's like being, you know, used. That's cool. All right. So yeah. let's say I want to ferment because I kind of do. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's start with, I think probably the average listener is probably thinking about how they're going to make beer or wine or, or things like that. Cider is probably the easiest. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I want to make cider. What mm-hmm. What do I do? Like, what What do I need? How do I get started? Oh, you are uh, you are in like actual apple country. So, I, if mm-hmm. I if I uh, if I understand correctly, so you have some some options that uh, most people don't. Mm-hmm. Where I am, like getting getting really quality, fresh pressed apple juice, apple cider. Uh, unfermented right is mm-hmm. uh is a little bit of a challenge but the easiest way to do it is mm-hmm. to just go to a grocery store or you know any any place where you can get like the half gallon or gallon size jugs of you know apple juice okay uh you know get them when they're get them when they're on sale get them in bulk uh use frozen apple juice concentrate if you want uh it doesn't really matter you are going to Put that in like a, a five gallon bucket, uh, mm-hmm. HDPE high density polyethylene plastic. Okay. Right? Is uh, it's a, a food safe bucket, but like in, in food service, you see you see these buckets used for pickles. You see them used for frosting at, at you know bakeries and things like oh, that. Yeah. If you're mm-hmm. if you're wanting to do some dumpster diving, you can find yourself some of these real easy. Or if you just have a you know uh, a friend or member of your community that's in you know, involved or, you know, is working for in, in food service, they can probably hook you up with these as well. Um, this, worst case scenario, you... I'm looking ahead. it up. It's number two on the bottom of a... Like, plastic usually has that oh, little recycling the, symbol. Is it number two, you HDPE? think? HDPE? Yeah. I, I don't remember if that's if that's uh, denoted with a number two, but... Um, I just looked it, it up. I HDPE, think it is. It's uh, yeah. HDPE plastic. Yeah. Okay. And... and uh, It'll usually be specified as food grade or, you know, if it was used to hold food in the sense of the, you know, recycling and reusing from, uh, you know, food service and like commercial kitchens and things like that. Obviously, you know, you're 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 taking okay. care of in that respect. I'm trying to look up to see whether like the Lowe's buckets are HDP or not. So the, there's two there's two different types. Um, oh, shit. Lowe's did have food grade ones, uh-huh. um, but the the like kind of universal blue bucket one yeah uh it i believe it is hdp but it's not certified food grade so there might be contaminants in there so you would be okay. maybe rolling the dice on that one a little bit in a okay in a survival type situation or something like that i think that would be fine but yeah. if you have other options you know maybe err on the side of caution okay that's good to know. I, I have a lot of these buckets for me too. <laughs> a lot me of too. Purposes. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, they get a lot of use in the garden. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, now I'm like, oh, are they not food safe? Should I not be growing tomatoes in them? And then I'm like, this is probably well, overthinking it. it. Depending, you know, some, mm-hmm. something that, that like roots are touching, not necessarily that food are touching mm-hmm. versus something that you have an acidic and microbiologically yeah. <laughs> active thing churning around that you are then going to drink in large quantities. Yeah. Like, you know. Okay. <laughs> no, okay, fair enough. And this has been an aside. Okay, so so I've, I've gone and gotten some apple juice, or if I'm really lucky, I've yep. pressed some apples, and I've got a five-gallon bucket, and I fill the bucket with apple juice, I assume. With about four gallons of apple juice, yeah. you got to okay. leave yourself some headspace because you are going to, you know, have some activity in motion mm-hmm. with the, the yeast. Uh, then you're going to be pitching in yeast um, for uh, apple juice for cider. Mm-hmm. You can use uh, champagne yeast, okay. right? That's that's a very very common one. Um, it's it is a like a, a specialty uh, product that you need to order online or get from like a, a homebrew store or a you know brewing okay a brewing uh, supply store or something like that. Uh, you can use just regular, you know, like baking yeast, like bread makers yeast, like Fleischmann's or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it will work. You will you will get a few like you, you, you're you more likely to develop some off flavors, maybe some sulfur type aromas, things like that. OK, oh, excuse me. And then you also might uh, have a less healthy fermentation. So the fermentation might take longer. Uh, and your final gravity, right? The amount of residual sugar left mm-hmm. by the fermentation will be higher, and the amount of alcohol produced will be a little bit lower. Okay. So that's uh, that's what that's uh, using like bread or baking yeast. If you're using uh, champagne yeast, you know, wine yeast, beer yeast, even, mm-hmm. um, you are going to get a a faster and much more complete uh, fermentation less likely that contamination if there is any present will will take hold right okay what about um like let's say the supply chains are all fucked right and i can't go get yeast my my two questions is one oh well three questions can i use wild yeast second question when you've already made this stuff can you like reuse pieces of it as the yeast um like in the same way as you like can with like sourdough or something and a third question is can you use a sourdough starter that one's I'm expecting uh, the, no, ans- but... the answer to all of those is yes. Oh, actually. interesting. And I'll, I'll, I'll go through one at a time. So your okay. first, uh, if you don't have, if, if there are supply chain issues, you don't have, or you don't, mm-hmm. or just in general, you don't have access or you don't want to. Or you're in a jail uh, cell and making it in the toilet or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. That's going to, that's going to have its own very special considerations, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but um yeah, you can absolutely use wild capture yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, what I would do mm-hmm. uh, with with the uh, equipment that, that I have, I would get like a cake pan mm-hmm. and I would put uh, I would fill it maybe between a quarter inch and a half an inch uh, high full of fermentable liquid. In this case, apple juice. OK. Right? Yeah. I'd put it outside, ideally on a, a spring or a fall day. Um when we're when there's no danger of of uh, of a hard frost, right? Either before okay. or, or after, depending on which you know shoulder season you're in. But fairly close to that date is when you're going to uh, get the the best results. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to have some kind of a mesh over the top, maybe like a window uh, mm-hmm. screen or a door screen, you know, screen door type mesh. Keep bugs out. Yep, exactly. Keep bugs out. Um, you, you you want the microscopic bugs, not the ones that we can see flying around in there. Mm-hmm. You know. 
so leave that out uh, overnight on, on a cool night. If you have fruit trees, especially uh, vines, any you know, grapevines, anything like that, uh, right under there is ideal. If you don't, just anywhere where there is some, you know, greenery growing. Okay. Uh, in in the wild, and you you kind of have not in the wild, but you know outside. Yeah, in, yeah. In in, in a uh, in a non sterile, you know, non contained environment. It's, yeah. It's not. It's you're gonna have less luck trying to do this inside, or you know, in like a warehouse building or something like that. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is actually <clears throat> once you have that, um, you know, you've had it left overnight. Uh, decant it into maybe a mason jar or something like that with an airlock. Uh, 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 I, I use like an Erlenmeyer flask uh, mm-hmm. just because I have them for, you know, other fermentation stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can, with an Erlenmeyer flask, you can drop a magnetic bar in there, put it on a stir plate and, you know, knock the whole process out, you know, 10 times as fast. Oh, interesting. Obviously not, not necessary, but it's yeah. a fun little shortcut if you want to, you know, drop 40 or 50 dollars on a stir plate yeah um, is that just like uh, a, it, it, a basically like a magnet inside the yep. flask that moves because of a magnet on the plate yep that's it exactly that's yeah brilliant. so you have the, like a little bar magnet mm-hmm. um it's uh it's like coated in in like a food safe plastic mm-hmm. right so it's not going to scratch anything up and then you just drop that in you turn on the plate it usually has like a like a potentiometer like a little knob that mm-hmm. um you know, you can control the speed on. Sometimes if you get the speed up too far, it'll throw the magnet and then you've got to, you know, <laughs> recenter it and get it all there. But yeah. um, that's great for, um, you know, doing your own yeast and okay. bacteria captures. Okay. Uh, it, it speeds that up. So it's speeding and up the, because you need to stir it. To, to go back to the, I've just done this without a flask. I've put it in a mason jar. Yeah, just give it a swirl a couple times mm-hmm. a day. You okay. know, give it a couple swirls. Um, it's, it, it is going to uh, be you know, working the same way, just on a, on a slower, mm-hmm. uh, timeline. And this is a sealed jar, uh, sealed, but with an airlock, because again, uh, when, anytime you have fermentation, you have CO2 oh. production, you don't have an airlock. You've just made an improvised explosive device okay. that is sitting on your kitchen counter. So you don't want that. Right. Usually not. Okay. Um, so that's the little thing that you see sticking out of carboys where it's a little glass thing with some water in exactly. it where the thing goes through the air bubbles. Yeah, it's down. usually plastic. Um, okay. the, the most common ones are, it's like an S-bend, right? The same yeah. kind of thing that you see in like sink and toilet plumbing to right. keep the stinky gas away. Right. Right. It, it, the, the, the function works the same way. The gas okay. can pass through uh, okay. in, in one direction. So basically you're, you've captured some wild yeast and you've put it in mm-hmm. a mason jar with an airlock and then it it you're feeding it it feeds off of that for a while and that's how you get your like starter is that yeah yeah so that okay. that that is your that is your yeast that is your inoculant your starter okay. yeah cool. uh, you you do need to do a couple things to confirm mm-hmm. that that is uh cuz you know wild capture isn't going to work every single time perfectly right. um it's it's why we've you know uh, why especially you can go buy champagne yeast at a cultivation store. yeah, yeah. You, every, everyone uses that uh, so what you need to do is you need to confirm that the pH is below 4.2. Okay. All right. So that magic you can number. do that with, uh, yeah, that's, that's the big number for, uh, I think that's what Douglas Adams was talking about. Actually, he just probably you know, yeah. pulled the decimal point, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, no. So you need to make sure it's below 4.2 pH. You can, you can do this with uh, pH, uh, testing strips. It's mm-hmm. litmus paper, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you can just, you know, put a drop of it on there and, you know, see what color it is. Okay. Uh, 
you do, I would advise against using the full pH range, like the zero to 14 ones, mm-hmm. just because since it is such a wide range, it can be kind of like, is that yeah. greenish brown or is that brownish green? Like that's, that's a whole point on the pH scale. The pH right. scale is logarithmic. So the difference between greenish, uh, brownish green and greenish brown is a factor of 10, not a right. factor of one. Right. So okay. like, you know, having, having more narrow range, uh, okay. litmus, uh, paper is ideal uh or a ph meter uh okay. they've gotten a lot better in the last five or ten years and a lot cheaper like we're cool. talking under twenty dollars cool so those are really you if you're going to be doing fermentation i would um i would recommend uh using both yeah uh just in case there's like a you know er- a calibration error or anything like that it's just a good way to confirm okay all right so so you've got so now you know the f- the pH is under 4.2. What else are we checking for? Yeah. We're also uh, going to just use our, our olfactory sense. Mm-hmm. So get, get your get your nose in there. Mm-hmm. And if, if it smells like rotten eggs and sewage, like toss that shit out. Like, <laughs> there, there are there are other bacteria at play that we that we don't mm-hmm. want playing uh, in our in our happy little colony here. OK, so um, that needs to go. And instead uh, and just, you know, doing it, do another capture. You want, um, you want like fruity aromas, uh, aromas that, uh, maybe have some like spice or piquancy to them are, are fine. Um, the, like alcohol aromas mm-hmm. are, are, are really, uh, good too, you know, okay. uh, things like that. These are all indicating, um, fermentation production of, you know, Okay. Of, of alcohol production of, um, you know, CO2 as well. You want to see that that's another really good indicator is that, and that's why I like those S bend airlocks as opposed mm-hmm. to, they also make like a three piece one that just kind of percolates through the S bend one is really nice. Cause you can see the CO2 uh, oh, yeah. coming, okay. coming through, right. You can see it coming through in bubbles. Yeah. So you have a visual and an audible, yeah. uh, like indicator, right? Like you can hear that there are, you know, 10 or 15 bubbles coming through a minute. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that like there is, you know, cellular reproduction happening and fermentation right. happening. This whole thing. Um, I recently recorded an episode about yeast, uh, about sourdough mm-hmm. is why I keep referencing sourdough. Yeah. And the whole thing is like hard for me to believe is real. Once I start doing it, I'll believe it. But wild capture, mm-hmm. like sure. The invisible alcohol makers in the sky are just going to turn it. Like, of course they it, are. It feels like some, some like biohacking, like yeah. bio, biopunk speculative fiction a yeah. little bit. Like it totally does. Yeah. But I, but I love, I mean, when I start doing this, I'm going to go out and buy yeast. Right. But I, yeah, yeah. but I'm much more interested in hobbies that I know that like, I know how I will do without buying chemicals if I have to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so 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 wild capture, and then you said that you can also use. Um, what are the you can inoculate with stuff that you've already made. Yeah, that was, I think your your second question, right? Yeah. So the example I'll use for this is uh, sour beer, mm-hmm. right? I can I can go out and pick up a bottle of sour beer. Mm-hmm. I can drink the sour beer and leave just the the dregs at mm-hmm. the bottom. I can swirl that up, and I can pitch that into a fermenter cool and i've just inoculated it cool. that's it and so it can't be pasteurized now, right no no you don't want to pasteurize uh but again remember we were talking about um 
bottle conditioning, right? This mm -hmm. is a bottle conditioned beer. Yeah. So because it has sugar added to the bottle yeah. and it's naturally re-fermented in the bottle, you know, built up CO2 and nice, pleasant effervescent bubbles uh, in the bottle. That means that it is, it is fully bioactive. Okay. That's great too, because uh, that very higher, high, much higher levels of like vitamin B and things like that, as okay. well as a full, culture of yeast and bacteria which are really good for your gut biome which okay. is also important you yeah. know so that's why i'm a big fan um pasteurization definitely helps for like safe transportation and breweries not getting sued when their bottles explode and leave yeah. glass in people's hands and things like that and so for for um, anyone listening pasteurization is just where you treat it so that everything's dead inside right with heat yeah like, yeah like uh, society does low, to us yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, okay. they slowly increase the pressure in increments that you don't notice until yeah. you find that everything is completely dead. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, and safe and for capitalism. And safe for capitalism. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right. <laughs> so once we've domesticized so, our, the bottles of beer. Okay. Anyway, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we want to avoid pasteurization unless absolutely necessary, right. because then, uh, like, the product is is less healthy for us, right. and, uh, and it's less useful for us in the future. We can't use it to right. uh, inoculate other other batches. Okay. If I were going to be doing that, I would. I'm mean, again going back to that stir plate. I'm talking mm -hmm. about an ideal situation. I would add some of it to unfermented beer or cider on the stir plate mm -hmm. and let that go because that's going to get my yeast and bacteria cell count up very, very high. That's going to ensure the fermentation and yeah. acidification start quick and, uh, and finish strong. Okay. And so is there any, like, is it just a taste difference? If you were to like, if I were to go get sour beer and then dump, you know, do everything you just said and then dump it in as my starter for some cider, would it just be like weird or would it be fine or like, like mixing flavors and mediums or whatever it would be called? Oh, so like fermentables, right? Like a mix of yeah, apples like, and, and malt, for example. Well, so it's like if I'm using, if the yeast I have access to is I drank a sour beer and I have what's left, right? Mm -hmm. But what I have access to to ferment is apple juice. Can I use that to ferment the apple juice Absolutely. and will it, will it like taste really wild and different or is it just kind of yeast is yeast? Not as, not especially. Um, sour cool. beer is yeast and bacteria. So you have oh, right. yeast That's and bacteria right. at play. Mm -hmm. um, now so you make you, sour there is a, cider? Yeah, yeah. Um, because there's already uh, both malic acid and lactic acid naturally present in apple juice, mm -hmm. using lactic acid producing bacteria doesn't make it seem as sour as like sour oh, beer, okay. right? Okay. Because it's already, there's already these natural acids at play Yeah, uh, and beer, like the, the pH of non-sour beer, it's, it's lower than like water, but it's not low enough that our brains register it as sour. Yeah. So when you apply those bacteria to a, you know, fermented malt liquid, it's, it's, it's such a huge gulf between non-sour beer yeah. and sour beer, non-sour okay cider and sour cider are kind of adjacent more okay. so there is there there is mm -hmm. one other little factor though that, that uh mm -hmm. ties into what you brought up which is that um yeast and bacteria over time are going to adapt to perform ideally in the uh fermentable that they have reproduced in uh, right okay. so if you are mm -hmm. reusing 
like a culture. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to use the, the word culture rather than, than yeast or bacteria because it's almost always a combination. And it's yeah, multiple bacteria and multiple yeast, right? Yeah. So if your culture has optimized itself to, to reproduce and to, uh, you know, churn through the fermentables in mm-hmm. beer, right? You have a lot of uh, longer chain carbohydrates in beer than you do in fruit juice, whether that's apple or grape, right? Okay. So they're going to evolve to, to deal with those. In, and, you know, when you switch from one to the other, your first fermentation might be a little bit sluggish. Okay. Still perfectly um, viable. So, okay, so to go back to where we're at in the stage, I really actually like, I think probably most of this episode will be just literally us walking through the steps of making some cider, but we're going to learn so much along the way. I'm really excited about it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. So, okay, so you've gotten your apple juice. You've gotten your starter yeast. Ideally, you went and got champagne yeast, but maybe it's the end of the world and you wild captured or maybe you just want to do that. My plan is to start the easy way and then try the hard way later. Yep, good, good. It's good to... You're more likely to keep going if you're first. Uh, yeah, if I succeed. I yeah, that's my theory. Yeah. Okay, so now, now I've got my five gallon bucket. I've added yeast. I'm putting. I'm closing it and putting a little uh, s airlock. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and it doesn't. You it, uh, again going back. Like if you mm-hmm. don't have access to like a homebrew store or the internet or mm-hmm. whatever, and you can't get an airlock, like you're not completely screwed here. All you need mm-hmm. is a piece of hose or tubing in a cork or bung or something like that. Oh. And you stick the other end in uh, mm-hmm. liquid, you know, prep maybe uh, water with a, with a, a few drops of bleach in it. Yeah. Uh, sanitizing solution, vinegar, alcohol, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then it, it's just, you know, the CO2 is, is blowing out of that tube and just bubbling out of uh, okay. the thing. Like a, a, an airlock is, cleaner takes up less space and is more optimized but yeah improvisation works fine okay how long am i my leaving this does it have to be in a cool dark place like can i do this on the um you don't want direct sunlight all right so you don't want direct sunlight and you don't want light uh from you know you don't you don't want to grow lights uh, or like UV a really powerful or yeah grow light or uv or anything like that um if, mm-hmm. if you've just got like you know ambient room light hitting hitting it especially if it's in a bucket uh, you're probably okay mm-hmm. um okay. beer is more of a concern because beer has hops and hops are photosensitive and it, your beer will taste like uh like heineken on a on a, on a summer picnic it'll get that like kind of skunky <laughs> thing that you get in green glass bottles yeah yeah which I weirdly I have positive associations with. Just a lot of a... people do. A lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, it it it's it's like what you like isn't isn't wrong. Like it's, yeah, it, it is what it is. It's an unfavorable characteristic to some people, but um, you know, there's a lot of traditional German beers that are described as having a sulfur character. I was like, I don't like that though. I drank a but lot of Grolsch and like yeah, yeah. I drank a lot of green yeah, bottle Grolsch when I lived in the Netherlands, and it it was not. Yep. I'm not trying to relive my cheap beer phase, but like Grolsch was a good middle of the road cheap beer, you know. Um, I I like the the bottles because they're almost infinitely reusable. You got to replace yeah. those little plastic uh, Grolsch uh, bottles are the ones that have that swing top with the little cage yeah. that clicks down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those those are I I still have a, a a few of them that I I have been reusing for almost a decade now. So. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. so you've got the bucket. You're keeping it out of the sun because you don't want Heineken. And yeah. well, especially with hops, less of an issue with, with cider, but, um, okay. you, you, you're going to, 
depending on how finicky you want to be, you can test the original gravity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, original gravity is, you know, the, the original measurement of the uh, liquid's gravity, specific gravity, basically well, how much sugar is in solution. Oh, I always sugar. assume gravity, gravity is not. Ah. No, gravity is sugar in solution. So, so that's uh, how you find out you, the relative to. Oh, go ahead, please explain it. Uh -huh. Yeah, you look at you look at how much sugar you started with and how much sugar mm -hmm. you ended up with, and, and you know that's you how much subtract the difference. Wow. Yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's a there's it's a couple ways of measuring original gravity. Yeah. yeah, how do you do it? The the easiest, the easiest, cheapest, and most like durable over like a long term survival situation is going to be the use of a uh, a hydrometer. So that is okay. like a, a little glass. Uh, it almost looks like an old school mercury thermometer with a bunch of weights on one end and like a like a glass bubble, and that floats okay. in solution. You can float it in like a little a little uh, like a tall cylinder, so you don't waste very much uh, alcohol. You can also float it directly in the bucket, right? And it's got okay. little lines, and it'll tell you like one point oh five oh. Like that's like the standard standard gravity for most beer and cider, right? Is is around okay. you know one point oh five oh. And that, when it's fermented fully, is it measuring the buoyant, buoyancy of the water? Basically, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Sorry. So please continue. That that is that. That's how a hydrometer works. Um, mm -hmm. And then you'll you'll measure it again. If you're doing it in a bucket, you don't need a, a cylinder. You just need to sanitize that uh, hydrometer, mm -hmm. uh, and then stick it in. Measure the uh, original gravity, the gravity reading before you add yeast. And mm -hmm. then after, in the case of cider, I would say, you know, three or four weeks, mm -hmm. I would uh, I'd start checking it again. Then the other really nice thing about a hydrometer is you can hold off on packaging until you get consistent readings, right? So if you check your, you, you know, you've let it ferment for three weeks, you check your gravity on Monday, and then, you know, you write it down, you know, 1.015, and then you check it on mm -hmm. Wednesday, 1.014. Okay, well maybe check it again on Friday, 1.013. No, it's still going down. Like we need to, we need to let this continue to ferment. Okay. Right? So you're basically letting it eat as much sugar as it can. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, okay. it's got its own limit, right? Yeah. It's got its own limit. Um, and once, once, uh, there are no more digestible, um, you know, saccharides, mm -hmm. then you're safe to package. If you package while the yeast is still actively fermenting, you've got two problems. One of them is the exploding uh, bottles, you know, exploding bottles, as mentioned earlier. The mm -hmm. other is that, um, the, 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 you know, our cultures are generally pretty uh, considerate in that they clean up after themselves, right? They metabolize okay. like the most easily available, uh, sugars first. Mm -hmm. And then there are some compounds left over. A lot of them have unpleasant, uh, you know, tastes or aromas, maybe like a, like a really bitter, pithy green apple thing. Sulfur is very common, mm -hmm. right? Um, but these compounds, the yeast is going to turn to when it runs and, and bacteria are going to turn to when they run out of very, you know, huh. junk food, basically very easily digestible monosaccharides. Okay. Yeah. Is there something called young beer where it hasn't eaten at all? Am I completely wrong? I just have this in my head somewhere. Like his, uh, it's like a historical thing, right? Like in uh, English uh, brewing, maybe. I I don't know some concept where people intentionally drink beer that still has the sugar or something. Well, no, I'm, I'm probably wrong. Semi, 
No, semi-fermented beer is 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 very much a thing, uh, mm-hmm. and I know in some brewing traditions, uh, I think there's some in Africa that use like cassava and things like that, where you're drinking it like twelve hours into the fermentation, and it's like kind of like a com- a communal thing, like you know, people. Okay. Uh, you know, make a big batch and everybody drinks it at once so that, you know, you can get it right when it's super fresh. Uh, tepache as well, like the fermented uh, pineapple mm-hmm. uh, drink in, in South America. It's kind of a similar thing. Uh, you cool. there, There's the pineapple and then there's brown sugar added as well. And you okay. want to start drinking it when about half of the sugar is fermented. So it's still really sweet. It's almost like a semi-alcoholic, like uh, okay. kombucha tiki drink sort of thing. Okay. Um, before we get to packaging, my other question is, is beer just white sugar? Is that the thing that's added? Like, what is the yeasty? What is it? What is the, or is it eating the carbohydrates instead of the, the carbohydrates? Yeah. Ah, and okay. Beer uses, beer uses malted barley. So malting okay. is a process by which you take, you take your grains of barley. It's usually two row. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you get it slightly damp. And mm-hmm. you just keep turning it over and the, uh, the kernels will like begin to germinate, but before they, uh, like huh. crack open and you get like a little shoot or something like that, the process of germination, um, ba- basically you get a lot of these, these very difficult to digest carbohydrates converted into simple carbohydrates so that the emerging plant has a uh. rapid source of fuel, like, okay. kind of similar to an egg in, in, in the survival strategy sort of thing, yeah. right? But oh, interesting. Once it once it's malted, right? Once that mm-hmm. has has uh, taken place, they kiln it, right? So they hit it mm-hmm. with heat, and that okay. kills the, the the sprouting grain. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not like the the malt is going to like mold or molder or you know go to right. seed or you know and start growing or anything like that because that would be inconvenient. You want this stuff to be able to stay shelf stable for a couple years, right? So they treat it with heat, right? Um, and there are there are all kinds of ways of doing it. It is a very involved process. I have never malted yeah, my own grains. I've this. thought about doing it, soon. but uh-huh. it's it's like very labor intensive and yeah. uh, really only economical at at pretty large scale. Is this why uh, people didn't fuck what, with beer until after they were fucking with cider and meat and all that shit? Uh, I think so. But uh, the first beers were actually made from bread, not um, not uh, malt. So. Oh. Because uh, it's like once again been turned beer. into a simple, exactly same process, huh. right? It's easier to make bread than it is to commercially, you know, kiln like you know bags and bags of barley. Yeah, um, and also if you're, you know, bread has its own shelf life. So if you're getting toward mm-hmm. the end of it, oh yeah, then, then you turn convert... into booze. Exactly, and that's that that that's a, a thing in in uh, Russia too. Uh, kvass, mm-hmm. K-V-A-S-S. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's made with. Uh, like rye, rye bread. Okay. And it's usually around two or 3% alcohol, but it's, it's literally like a thing that, you know, people, I love low alcohol beer. Yeah. Me too. Oh man. It is like a, like a 2.5% alcohol yeah. uh, pale ale is yeah. just a little bit of hops. That is like my sweet spot. Yeah, absolutely. Cause uh, it's like, well, I want to drink a beer, but I don't want to get drunk all the time. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. I love a, a beer in the nice afternoon, but I hate the like, the after afternoon nap that you get stuck taking if you drink yeah. like an eight percent beer, yeah, you're like totally. what the fuck? Yeah, no, it, it just like your 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 the the day's plans all of a sudden have changed. Right? Yeah, no. Um, 
Okay, because the reason I asked about the sugar thing is the first time I ever helped someone uh, ferment, they made dandelion (laughs) wine. And ever since then, I've been like, this is all bullshit. Because dandelion wine, at least as this person made it, I was like, this is just cane sugar wine. It's just cane sugar Mm -hmm. wine with some dandelion flavor. And I was like really upset by this um, because I, and maybe this is bullshit, but it's like, like which which of these alcohols are mostly just cane sugar? And which ones can you actually ferment? Dandelion on their wine own? for sure is because there's virtually no fermentable sugars in dandelion, but there are a lot of very strong botanical flavors. Like dandelion wine, like the dandelions are more equivalent to like hops in beer than they are to malt in beer. Ah, uh, because the right? hops are flavor. They are, yeah, they're they're adding they're adding flavor, they're adding aroma, they're adding like all of these botanical, you know, aspects okay. to it but they are not the source of the alcohol. They are not the source of the sugar or anything like that. Okay. So Can yeah, you make dandelion, dandelion wine, wine is... with like, with actual, I mean, I know cane sugar does come from a plant, but it's still, I feel betrayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is what I'm saying. You could make dandelion. You could, you could use, you could add dandelions to uh, cider. Right? Yeah. I've, I've known, I haven't done it, but I, I've, you know, known of people doing it. Um, You can, you can use, you know, any kind of like a, a reconstituted fruit juice uh, mm-hmm. and, and do like a fruit type wine. I think the reason and I, I think the the, the uh, one of the more interesting ways of doing the dandelion wine thing is uh, doing a dandelion mead. I've had a few mm-hmm. of those that are really good. Oh, that sounds nice. Um, that yeah, feels very like yeah. cycle I, of life, you know, like the honey the, yeah, and the flowers. It, it, it's, and the... It's, it's a lot of closed loops, right? Yeah. No, uh, but I think the reason that cane sugar cane sugar became a convention for that is uh you know economic like cane sugar was fairly cheap it was the cheapest you know fermentable available to rural people in like a the dust bowl era that makes sense yeah no that artificially so right Uh, yeah yeah no that 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 makes a lot of sense where that came from okay so you mentioned doing all this in a bucket i still want to get to the putting it in the bottles and stuff but Yeah, yeah um is there an advantage? Like, do I, should I get a carboy if I have the the money to spend? I'm I'm under the impression a carboy is a big glass bottle that looks like one of those five gallon jugs you put in your office cooler. Only it's for making alcohol. Yeah. Is that yeah? That's pretty much better. That's pretty much it. I don't I don't like carboys. I've used oh, them. I use mm-hmm. them for bulk aging of sour beer. I use them for primary fermentation of clean beer and cider. Mm-hmm. I I got rid of all of mine. Um, okay. So you use buckets I don't when you like, do home stuff. I use buckets or I use um, converted kegs or converted stainless steel kettles hmm. uh, if I'm okay. doing a larger batch. Uh, okay. It's just, uh, I have a, for, for like all the, the sour beer, I have like a, it's a 15 and a half gallon stainless steel kettle mm-hmm. uh, with a, like a bulkhead, uh, like a, mm-hmm. like a valve on the bottom. Yeah. And that allows me to uh, like do pass through. So I keep that as like my acidifying chamber. It's called a Solera. I actually wrote a uh, like a Kindle digital single about like building and maintaining these. Oh, um, cool. it's 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 almost exclusively useful for sour beer, uh, you know, bacteria, bacterially uh, fermented cider or vinegar making. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing any of that kind of thing, uh, especially like at you know small scale but you know wanting Mm -hmm. to provide for a a bunch of people like a a club or a community or anything like that it's really the most efficient way to do it 
Um, okay. But to, why to, don't you like going carboys? back to what you said about oh, no, carboys? I don't like yeah. glass. I don't like glass mm-hmm. because um, there, there's just a real risk of injury. Um, you, when if you've got oh, a seven gallon carboy full yeah. of liquid, we're talking seventy or eighty pounds. Yeah. Right. In a glass bottle. <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. Uh huh. I see where you're going with this. Things can go yeah. bad real quick. Um, yeah. When I use them, I had some that fit in milk crates, so I could just pick mm-hmm. up the milk crates. That mm-hmm. helped out a lot. Um, they also make um, they call them, I think, just carboy straps. It's like a like a four piece harness with handles that you can use. But the when I when I've seen them break, it's almost always when someone's setting them down. Right. Anytime you're setting down something heavy, you know. Unless yeah. you you're very strong and have a great deal of control, right? That last little bit, uh, you can sometimes uh-huh. kind of crack it down. And uh-huh. again, we're talking seventy or eighty pounds in a glass bottle, and you don't have yeah. to crack it down very hard for the whole bottom to, yeah. to go out. And that that's a mess. Um, yeah, because then you got blood in your beer, and that's just yeah, right. <laughs> it gets very cling on very quickly, and it's yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, the the other aspect I don't like is uh uh they're they're completely light uh, permeable too, right? Yeah, that always seemed weird. Glass. You have to keep them in a closet yeah. with a towel on them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's I think again it was so homebrewing uh only became legal in the United States under Jimmy Carter, right? It had been illegal Whoa. from prohibition to Jimmy Carter. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. He, uh, Does that mean we'll eventually was, get home would, moonshining? I can't wait. I feel like if we were going to get it, it would have happened already. And I don't think uh, the, yeah, the trends uh, politically are towards individual deregulation anytime soon uh, yeah, okay. for, for that kind of thing. Fair enough. Uh, but, you know, it, it is legal to make, you know, like uh, fuel alcohol. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, some, some people make fuel alcohol and then... Uh, and then lo- and then lose it in in barrels and things like that. Um, but yeah, they, no, I, uh, it's not worth it for me. I, I always figure I shouldn't do anything that brings the eye of Sauron anywhere near me. So I'm just not. Oh, gonna make totally. It. No, <laughs> like, no. And yeah. Like I, I, there, there are, there are, you know, there have always been people who are going to do it. You know. Yeah. I- I- illegally, yeah. but it, it's it's not it's not worth the hassle. Um, it yeah. it it can be. Uh, like I know we've been talking about fermentation mm-hmm. on the side of, you know, consumption and, and food and, and beverage and all that. Yeah. But I do know people who, who have stills that use them to produce like fuel alcohol, you know, for backpacking yeah. and things like that. And that no, is I mean, it makes totally sense. valid. And you can, you can, yeah. you can produce, you know, fuel alcohol very cheaply. If that's a thing that you use, uh, for, yeah. you know, kind of off grid type stuff that can really be uh, a useful, a useful toolkit, but kind of yeah. outside of what we're talking about today yeah i'll have you on have you or someone else on at some point for that um yeah okay so you've made your alcohol this was all simpler than i thought mm-hmm. so now you have a bucket full of alcohol and you don't want to just pass out straws what do you do no, no. passing out straws is an option but you need to you know That's make true. sure there are enough people in your in your grip to get through five <laughs> gallons all at once i guess yeah uh no you're so you're, the two main options uh, available mm-hmm. are bottling and kegging, right? Okay. So uh, bottling uh, is usually, you know, it, when we're talking about it as an alternative to kegging rather than, you know, bottling from a keg, which is a totally mm-hmm. different thing. If we're, if we're going to bottle it, we're probably going to bottle condition it. So we're going to add a small amount Why? of sugar back. It, What's that? 
But why? why bottle condition? Yeah. Uh, bottle condition uh, for the oxygen scavenging effects of Britannomyces yeast. Ah, to make uh, it as safe as possible. Because we don't have the yep. commercial. And, lo- and sh- uh, shelf stable as possible. Right. Okay. If we had like a big commercial yeah, yeah. thing, then there'd be a way of bottling it where no air gets in. But because we're doing it DIY, some air will get yeah. in. So that's why we want to bottle condition it, clean up our mess. Well, even even commercial systems, you are going to have oxygen ingress, but it's going to be significantly less than than what okay. you have available, you know, at home. Okay. Um. Cool. So yeah, that that's going to help with that. Uh, so we got longer shelf life, both for like a quality flavor product mm-hmm. and a you know, safe to consume product. Both of those mm-hmm. are extended. Um, the that also adds carbonation, which a lot of people really enjoy. You know, having the nice, right. pleasant oh, little fizzy it's bubbles. Flat until this point. Yeah, yeah, totally flat. Because wow. it because because it's because it's 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 only going to pressurize in a sealed environment. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, it's only going to carbonate in a sealed environment. No, that you've makes got sense. A, you've got a blow off tube, so yeah. all your CO two is is going away. Does that mean um, people don't bottle condition their wine because otherwise you make champagne? You don't. You wouldn't want to add sugar to wine that you are bottling unless you were trying to make sparkling wine. Okay. But of course, it wouldn't be champagne unless it came from the. Champagne <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm glad we have but, the same uh, bullshit cultural references. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 90s and whatever. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, it, it it that that one is uh like. I love Wayne's appellations world. Uh-huh. Are, are hilarious too. They're just talking um, their own right. Okay, so okay, so back to our cider. We're bottling it. Oh yep. well, but that actually yep, cider bottled. is not normally carbonated. Is DIY? Are you kind of stuck? Does bottle conditioning always? Carbonate no, no, you can, it? you can, you can. If you want, if you want still cider, just don't add mm-hmm. sugar. How are you bottle You're, conditioning uh, it then? It's it's just it's not bottle conditioning. It's just bottled. It still has yeast in there. It still has mm-hmm. all of that in there because you haven't pasteurized it, right? So it still has right. those those health effects. Shelf life right. might be a little bit lower. Uh, I haven't okay. seen any any like significant studies on comparing okay. like you know home produced still versus uh, you know carbonated you know via okay. bottle conditioning uh, insider. But um, I would like to like that would be really that be some really useful data if somebody wants to get on that. Um, yeah. But you, you, you still are probably going to have a, a good few years of, of preservation. Okay. And again, the higher the alcohol you get, uh, the the longer it's going to be shelf stable, right? If right. you have fortified your cider with, say, brown sugar, right? That's a that's a very common mm-hmm. one that people will do. You add brown sugar and maybe some cinnamon or vanilla, right? Especially for kind of like a winter drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can very easily make a cider that's 11 or 12% alcohol and ferments oh, almost as quickly and that is going to stick around just fine and also yeah. taste really good poured over yeah now i want this uh, i don't even vanilla, drink very much gelato. but yeah this is making yeah. me i'm like <laughs> <laughs> i like barely drink anymore but i'm like i just want to make this yeah. stuff now um, no it's, yeah, okay. it's it is a lot of it is a lot of fun and i i i've always really gravitated towards like the the kind of like sensory aspects mm-hmm. of 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 beverage um yeah like just the, I don't know. I, I I I love a head change. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, you know, there there's a reason that, that human that we've been convergently evolving with alcohol for as many millennia yeah. as we have. But um, there are flavors that only really come out through like fer- fermentation, specifically through lactic acid fermentation. And I'm talking flavors okay. in beverages and food. 
Yeah. Um, you, you get, you can get, you get these, these, you know, different compounds from all different aspects of the process that you just can't yeah. get anywhere else. And, okay. And, wait, but uh, we're, we're coming up towards an hour and I want to get to the point where the, where the, the my cider is where, in where we have drinkable alcohol. Yeah. I, I how guess. do I, how do I, I get it? it. <laughs> how do I get it into bottles? Into the bottles? So am the, I like siphoning in it with way, a tube? Like you're stealing alcohol. You, you I mean, can't, like you're stealing you, gas. You can, you can, people do that. Oh. Um, but, uh, you, they also make what's called an auto siphon, which is just like mm-hmm. a little rack, uh, racking, uh, cane kind of arm that you just mm-hmm. put the, uh, tubing on. Right. Okay. And that like, it lets it, it starts the siphon for you. It automatically starts the siphon for you without okay. having to get your bacterial mouth on tubing that something. Yeah. That's that gonna makes be, sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, 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 again, friend, in a survival right. situation, you know, switch with sure. some vodka and, and do yeah. it uh, and call it good. But uh, in an ideal yeah. situation, a, uh, a sanitized racking cane is ideal, okay. even more ideal. Uh, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people do, especially with cider, because it doesn't produce nearly as much yeast, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, sediment. Just ferment in a bucket that has a little valve or bulkhead on it. Oh, down right? at the bottom where you just. Yep. Yep. And oh, then yeah. all you got to no, do is sense. take your bucket, sit it up on your counter. You add in, you know, a little bit of sugar. It's usually around like four ounces of sugar. You, you uh-huh. uh, dissolve the, the, the sugar bottom. in boiling water and then mm-hmm. add the, the sugar solution. Stir mm-hmm. it gently. And then you just use that uh, valve to fill the bottles, and then you uh, you use a bottle capper. You can either use like a bench capper; it like sits on a bench and has like a little lever arm like this. That's, That's what I've seen. More, yeah, a lot more ergonomic. They also have these; they call them wing cappers. They're just two handles, and you just mm-hmm. kind of set it on top of the cap, and then you know push down. Um, huh. I have definitely broken bottlenecks with the wing cappers before. And yeah, I've not broken any with a bench capper. So I would definitely recommend a bench camper capper or expensive drink grolsch or drink grolsch yeah and 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 any kind of you you can you can save those uh it's not just grolsch bottles but those are probably the most common ones they have like a little Mm -hmm. swing cap cage a little ceramic cap with a rubber grommet or some kind of siliconized grommet yeah and that just sits there and then clicks it in place and yeah Mm -hmm. those uh Sometimes you have to replace the little rubber part after every six or eight uses of the bottle, but yeah. that's a hell of a lot better than replacing the whole thing. Okay. Uh, once you have bottled, though, you are going to need to leave mm-hmm. them alone for two or three weeks because uh, the bottle conditioning needs to occur. So it's re-fermentation okay. in the bottle. So in order okay. to get that CO2 uh, built up and those, those nice, lovely bubbles, mm-hmm. you're going to have to leave that alone. Uh, but if it's couple, my cider, I can drink it right away. If it's still cider or wine, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like, I like uh, bottle conditioning cider. I like the carbonated cider. Um, Okay, but uh, if if you're if you're leaving it still, um, Mm -hmm. you know that that's kind of like like the the English tradition. I think is you you generally see more um, like carbonated. Oh, I'm yeah. uh, Now now that I realize, I do cider does have carb. Great. Uh huh. I totally know what I'm talking about when it comes to drinking. Some uh, some don't, and and like a lot of like. I, I, I was really into like Basque cider and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from like the France and Spain kind of border area, mm-hmm. you have like this huge range of carbonation there. You have some that are like champagne levels, like over carbonated, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. it almost burns your nose when you drink it. And you have some that are completely still. And then you have some that are, oh yeah, I guess there are bubbles in here. I guess this is technically carbonated. Yeah. Um, Patilliant is the industry term. But uh, so there, there is like a huge range uh, on that. But okay, so the stuff some I need will refer to un, 
Yeah, yeah. So the stuff I need is I need uh, a fermentable. I need yeast. Mm-hmm. I need a not carboy, a bucket or whatever. Um, I need a water lock, airlock, airlock. Airlock or a blow-off tube, yeah. Yeah, and I need uh, a way, either a spigot or a... Um, uh, auto siphon. Auto siphon. And yeah. I need bottles, bottle caps, and a capper. Yep. Uh, the other That's, thing that you, I would say you need mm-hmm. is uh, you need some kind of a sanitizer. Um, you can use okay. people... Uh, the, if we're going with convenience, the easiest one is like a like a brewery-specific sanitizer, Star mm-hmm. San or Quad, things like that. Mm-hmm. They're no-rent sanitizers. So you don't... you They sanitize and they leave a little bit of foam in place and you don't need to rinse them. They will be broken down by the process of fermentation. Oh, that's convenient. Uh, and they are soluble yeah. in alcohol and they are food completely food safe. Yeah. Uh, so you you generally buy these uh, in like a concentrate form, like a, mm-hmm. like a 32 or a 64 ounce bottle with a little like dispenser, you know, uh, thing at the top. Mm-hmm. And half an ounce of this concentrate will make... Uh, well, one ounce of the concentrate will make five gallons of sanitizing solution. So if you have oh, Jesus, so that's enough know, for a long one time. One of these around, yeah. I I know I've replaced mine at some point, but I can't remember when the last time it was. Like, it, yeah, it, you don't you don't go through it very very quickly. Uh, it's definitely worth investing. You can again in a pinch. Uh, you can use um, you know water diluted with bleach, and then just rinse it with like water that's been boiled. Yeah. Uh, you can use, you can use alcohol, right? You can, mm-hmm. you can use, you know, if you have that still that we yeah, of course won't yeah, have. And can, once the apocalypse comes mm-hmm. and we all make stills. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Then in that, <laughs> in that situation, then obviously yeah. you can, you can use that to, uh, to spray it down. You can yeah. even put, you know, uh, in, in, in our, in our current, you know, situation, you can, mm-hmm. you can put pop off vodka in a fucking dollars tree spray bottle and yeah. do it that way. You know, I'm, like you, you you're, there are there are options for that uh, purpose, you know, like like, you know, industry specific, uh, you know, beverage and brewing sanit no rent sanitizers mm-hmm. are the easiest. And again, like we, we were talking yeah, it's about like this what earlier, I'll get. right? If, yeah. if you're yeah, if you're planning it out, if your first endeavor, it uh, goes well. Right. Yeah. And everything works easily. You're more likely to. Yeah, to keep doing that. So, so the I, I definitely recommend using those uh, if possible. But again, certainly okay. not necessary. Once you uh, once you've got that, um, the only other thing, a uh, bit of material that we talked about, and it is optional, is the hydrometer. Uh, oh or, yeah, that's right. Because uh, then you know it's. Done. You can also use you can also use a refractometer, which is a different piece of technology. I, I mentioned a, I, I meant to mention mm. this earlier, but I didn't. Um, a refractometer is, it, it almost looks like a little kaleidoscope that you put up to your eye, but it's got like a, like a, like a, a screen and then a, a piece of plastic that clips on top that goes, lays flat on top of the screen. You put a couple drops of your liquid on the screen and then put your plastic on there and you look through it and it shows you on a line what your specific gravity is based on its refractometry index. Do the, is the reason people homebrew is because they want to feel like mad scientists and they want alcohol? I, a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, it's I some even... mad scientist shit. Now you use well, the kaleidoscope the... to find out how much alcohol there is. 
I, I feel like, yeah, you should have some Jacob's ladders and Tesla coils yeah, like, exactly. arcing behind you as, yeah. you're, as you're doing it. No, That's the, how you sanitize it. You make the ozone with the, anyway. Yeah. Oh, that makes <laughs> yeah. sense. And you just light and flash the ozone. Okay, yeah. 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 I, I can't believe I didn't hear, I haven't heard about this. Yeah. No, uh, the nice thing about the refractometer is we're talking like half a cc of liquid being mm-hmm. used. Cool. So uh, it, it, it is a really, really efficient way to measure it will not measure uh, accurately in the presence of alcohol. There are like equations that can like compensate for this a little bit. Wait, then what good does it do? It tells you how much is there originally. So if, if like, mm-hmm. f- like for me, I, I know to what degree, like my, my house culture, right. Yeah. Of yeast and bacteria ferments, it ferments down to like 0.002 or even just mm-hmm. 1.0. Like it, it uh, the same uh, lack of sugar mm-hmm. in solution as water, basically. Right. So if I know that, I don't need to measure it at the end if it always winds up at the same place, right? It, and if I was selling it, I would need to. But if it's just for personal consumption, okay. And I always know where it's finishing. I just need to know where it's starting, and I know what the alcohol is. Okay. But so then, then I, you, don't, I don't. But then you can't tell if it's done, except for the fact that you've done this enough that you're like the bubbles have stopped. It's been a week. I'm used to this. It's done or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So for starting off, I definitely recommend the uh, hydrometer. Hydrometer. It, it. It's just. It's. It's more effective. And if you're doing all of your fermentation in a bucket anyway, mm-hmm. it's real nice because you can you can just put it in. You don't have to pull some out, put it in a sample port, and you know. Okay. Put it in a tall cylinder and then toss that, you know, eight ounces of beverage down the drain or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. Well, I think that uh, I think that we're we're out of time and we didn't even get to the food stuff. So I'm gonna have to have have you back on if that's all right sometime. Yeah, that's absolutely that's absolutely fine by me. I've enjoyed myself thoroughly. Fuck yeah! Is there anything that you wanna you wanna plug? Like for example, you have a book that people can buy about how to do some of this stuff. Maybe you have more than one. I don't know. Like you want to. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the self-sufficient Solera is the name of the book. Uh, I just did it as a, uh, like a Kindle, a Kindle single on, mm-hmm. on Amazon. So you can, you can get it there. Uh, if you don't, if you don't want to go through there, um, my website, uh, Sean Van Sickle.com. Yeah. Yeah. S E A N. Mm-hmm. v-a-n-s-i-c-k-e-l dot com and yeah you there's contact info there too you know if you have if anybody has any questions about any of this stuff like i love to to share that and all of my all of my writing is collected there so i've uh, i published an article on um like uh, sp- uh composting spent grains and like you know, reducing like waste from home brewing. Cool. Uh, published that with Zymergy magazine recently, and you know that's all on there and original fiction and all that good stuff too. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, and I look forward to talking to you more about this soon. Sounds good. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, then go get drunk. I, I don't know. Maybe don't go go get drunk. Uh, If you don't drink, we will be talking about fermentation that doesn't have to do with alcohol at some point in the future. And tell people about the show. We're weekly now. And you can be like, holy shit, this show's weekly. And people will be like, I've never heard what you're talking about. And you can be like, I can't believe you've never heard of Live Like the World is Dying. What the fuck is wrong with you? Or instead of gatekeeping, you can just tell them. 
that they can find it wherever they listen to podcasts. And if they're like, I don't listen to podcasts, you can be like, that's fair. Everyone gets information in different ways. I mean, you can be like, no, you should absolutely listen to podcasts. It's the only reasonable thing to do. You can also support us by supporting us on Patreon. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash strangers in the tangled wilderness. Strangers in tangled wilderness is an anarchist media collective that puts out, you'll be shocked to know this, it puts out podcasts like this one and Anarcho Geek Power Hour and Strangers in the Tangled Wilderness. And we also put out zines and we put out books, uh, including my most recent book, Escape from Insel Island. So you should support us if you want. Uh, it allows us to pay for transcriptions and audio editing and makes all of this possible. And in particular, I would like to thank top of all, I can't say House the Dog is the best dog because Rintraw is the best dog. I'm sorry, House the Dog. I know every dog is the best dog to their individual people that they hang out with, but Rintraw is the best dog. But close runner up, just like close runner up on also Anderson, but close runner up is Haas the Dog. And I'd also like to thank the following people who are presumably humans. Micaiah, Chris, Sam, Kirk, Eleanor, Jennifer, Starro, Kat J, Chelsea, Dana, David, Nicole, Mickey, Paige, SJ, Sean, Hunter, Theo, Boise Mutual Aid, Milica, Paparuna, Ali, Paige, Janice, Oxalis, and Jans. Y'all make it possible. As for everyone else, y'all are also great because we're all going to try and get through this like really nasty shit together. And we're doing it. We're still here. Um, we will continue to be here. That's the plan. Uh, all right. I'll goodbye. <laughs>